Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Echo's Box. You were just listening to another song off of my upcoming EP Starstruck. That one was called Slow Me Down. So that EP is dropping April 15th, and if you pre-save it now, you may get some free merch in the next couple weeks or so. And that's just as a thank you to all the early friends of the music. More details and links over at TikTok Jones Music on TikTok and It's Jones Music on Instagram. So go check that out. All right, so let's hop in. This is episode 21, Circular Reasoning. I haven't had an episode dedicated specifically to a philosophy topic on its own yet, just kind of adjacent topics related to like philosophy with mental health. And as part of my commitment to get two episodes out in March to make up for last month, I've actually been kind of brain blocked on topics. Thankfully, this one just kind of fell into my lap. So I'm friends with some fantastically smart people in my life. Some of them are eloquent. Some of them are good with math. Some are well-read. Some are talented, some logical, some are all of the above, and the list kind of goes on and on. I am blessed to have these sorts of people in my life, and they often inspire great growth within me and challenge what I think and what I think I know, just kind of helping me see things in new ways. It's awesome. However, from time to time, I run into folks who just like to sound smart. If you study any sort of religion, philosophy, theology, psychology, or any sort of intellectually charged area of study at all, you might run into these sorts of people from time to time. And it's not that they aren't smart. Oftentimes I actually argue that they very much are. The problem is that very frequently the conversations they choose to have are what I would classify as non-productive. It's this kind of conversation that's just a conversation for the sake of making conversation. People like this at least in my experience, will seek out others to challenge their intelligence. Now, why they do that, I have no clue. Sometimes it may be due to narcissism in order to feel important, which unfortunately is fairly toxic. Sometimes it's to make a connection with others that hold the same knowledge that they do, just to kind of find people they relate to. Um, And other times it's just a persistent attempt to be recognized and understood. No matter the reason for this, whether it's positive or negative, it's difficult to follow along with these sorts of people sometimes. For some, it it could be because that what the person is saying is legitimately outside of your personal realm of understanding. For others, it's because the person is coming off as just rude and pretentious. For me personally, I actually enjoy letting these people talk regardless. Why? Well, because first off, you never know what you may learn, and secondly, If you're someone who is confident in your own ideas and beliefs, what harm does a little philosophical nonsense bring to you? If it makes the other person happy and causes you no harm, then let them speak. Who knows? 
Perhaps that person does just want to be understood and simply listening would make you a fantastic friend for them. One thing I have noticed that is fairly consistent, however, no matter the reason, is that many, if not all, of the conversations that I have end up in a logical fallacy known as circular reasoning, or circular philosophy to be a tad bit more specific to the context of the conversation we're going to have in this episode. Circular reasoning is a fallacy concept that's described in Western philosophy. It goes as far back at least as the first century CE, I think. Let me check my notes. Yeah. That's right. Uh, far back is the first century CE, and it comes from the Greek philosopher Agrippa. So this fallacy is a reasoning flaw that states if something, we'll call that something idea one. So if idea one is true, then that causes idea two. So if we circle back in our reasoning, then if idea two is true, that must mean that means idea one is also true. All right. So let's come up with an example to make that a little bit more clear. So in our example, I'm going to say this, because my dog ate today, that means it will take a shit at some point soon, which is likely true. So via this fallacy, if we circle back around, we can also deduce that because my dog took a shit today, that means it likely ate at some point recently. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, yeah, that makes sense. And sure it does. That is a perfectly logical assumption. However, what it isn't is a fact. I can more easily prove the first statement because biological process dictates that eating and digestion eventually lead any organism that produces bodily waste to naturally need to evacuate that waste at some point. So barring my dog being constipated, it is almost certainly going to take a shit in the near future due to eating. So I can, I can pretty much be certain of that as stating as a pretty solid fact. And even if it ha is having some kind of like bowel movement issues, it would still be true that it ultimately would need to take a shit at some point because it ate. So even if we caveat that statement, try to poke some holes in it, there's no world that exists where eating doesn't directly cause having to poop for my dog, at least not presently. Let me know if that occurs. <laughs> but uh, as far as I know, that's just not something that happens. You're going to poop if you eat. However, the second statement is flawed. So let's poke holes in it in a similar fashion as adding that caveat of constipation or some other issues uh, like we did with the first statement. So let's say my dog hasn't eaten in two days. Does that now mean it is not going to take a shit? Actually, if we look at how bodily functions work, it very well could shit for any other reason. Eating is not the only requirement for a bowel movement. A virus or bacterial infection could cause it. Natural digestion of bodily nutrients could cause it. Stress or fear could even be factors. Have you ever like not eaten in a few days due to anxiety, but then also had like the worst upset stomach ever and were on the toilet for like two hours straight because of that same anxiety? I'm not saying your shit was a solid one, but it was definitely you taking a shit and it was not caused by eating. That's happened to me plenty. <laughs> I'm making a lot of poop jokes here like a silly five-year-old, but that's on purpose to demonstrate the fact that it is a fallacy. It's a bit silly to state that the second statement is a matter of fact. One could use it as a point of reason, even as a justifiable logical deduction step for why my dog may have pooped, but it isn't a fact. The argument's just flawed. Just because eating makes my dog shit 
does not also mean that my dog is shitting only because it ate. There could be many number of reasons why my dog is shitting, but if it ate, I know it'll probably shit. So you can't circular reason back that those ideas. Just because one idea is true doesn't make the inverse idea also true. It could be true. Like I said, it's a very logical thought and it's a very reasonable one to have, but that doesn't make it inherently true. So there's a potential for fallacy there. It's simply not inherently true. It could be, but it's not a matter of fact on its own as a statement. Circular philosophy is just applying this whole circular reasoning fallacy to a philosophical argument, just giving it some context for what we're talking about, but ultimately it's the exact same idea. So, for example, I have had conversations about the quote-unquote meaning of the universe. In these conversations, I have had individuals tell me that because they know that math can explain concepts of the universe, that means that we can derive meaning about the universe, you know, what does it mean, via mathematical equations. So we can describe the meaning of the universe via mathematical equations. And therefore, using math, we can understand everything. So that means, like I said, by understanding certain mathematical concepts, one can know everything. They then may go further on to state that nothing exists, and nothing is real, and they know nothing. Therefore, everything exists, and everything is real, and so therefore they know everything. Because for one of those to be true, you must have the other. In simpler terms, for there to be nothing, the whole concept of nothing, for that to exist, something must have existed first and vice versa. In other words, you cannot have one without the other. You can't have something without nothing. You can't have nothing without something. This is not only a bit of circular philosophy, but in a lot of cases, it's an adaptation on a well-known morality problem that's often discussed in Christian circles that's known as the problem of evil. So the problem of evil kind of goes as, as follows. Because good exists, evil must also exist. For one cannot do evil if there is no good, and no good can be done if there is no evil. So that is the problem of evil. To take this further, a common argument and point of apologetics between Christians and non-Christian sects that like to argue about these things is that if God is good, why is evil allowed? And the response is to prompt the problem of evil and say, God is good, and evil is allowed because good exists. And so good is then exalted and felt by stomping out evil. So God allows evil because it glorifies God to see God doing good things. The common response to that is, well, if God is able to do anything and everything, why does God allow evil to be the method by which God is glorified by showing goodness? Why does God not instead remove all evil and be glorified via other means? He can do anything. Why, why can't he come up with a, basically a better solution than allowing evil? Now, this spirals into a debate where ultimately there are continuous answers and rebuttals to both sides. I could argue this with myself for, for quite a long time before we get to my own thoughts. It's a topic that we could get very lost in. But it's a fallacy. All of it. It's because we are asking hypothetical questions and making assumptions and presumptions to draw conclusions on things we know nothing about, simply by sounding a bit more prolific and intelligent to make a, a point convincing, but we actually don't know anything. These conversations have no substance. Now, that's not to say they aren't important, 
understanding these ideas, even when put in front of us in a fallible way, is actually quite important, especially if these ideas are entirely new to you. In fact, each statement I've said so far is technically true in its own right. You heard that correctly. Technically speaking, because you understand that you know nothing, that does technically also mean that you know everything. But that does not quite mean what you think it means. It's very deceptive. What it lacks isn't truth, but purpose and utility. This is because while technically true in the context of a thought exercise, it is flawed in present reality. If you tell me that you technically know everything, and I ask you what the cure for cancer is, you can't tell me. I know that for a fact. Okay, but let's let's put our tinfoil hat on for a second. Wear a tinfoil hat, get, get real conspiratorial about it, and say you do have that one. You, you know what the cure for cancer is, at least you think you do. All right, fine. You know what that is. That just means you're a jerk for not healing us, but fine. You know it. So I'll ask you this instead. What does the box next to me on my left in my closet say right now? Good luck telling me that. Even if you're just supernaturally clairvoyant, you didn't already know that. That means it came to you. You don't know everything presently. You just came about to the knowledge. It wasn't already there. However, not knowing it presently is actually the point of understanding that thought. When you understand that you technically know everything because you understand the way mathematics explain everything and you understand that without nothing there is not something and on and on and on, all that means is that the universe is infinite and all things are true and false simultaneously and therefore you know everything. That's great. Quantum physics ideas help support you there a bit, but the point of understanding that truth is not to go around sharing with others that you know everything. Or if you're being nice about it, also sharing with them the fact that they also know everything. It's neither of those things. Neither of those things is the point of understanding this idea. The point is to understand that you are capable of infinite possibilities and that you actually don't know everything right now as it is, but that you are capable of knowing and understanding whatever it is you need to know and understand in this lifetime. That's where the utility comes in. Once you understand this whole infinite concept, this truth of infinities, which by the way, math does technically prove, think of the fact that there are infinite numbers. Just between the numbers one and two alone, pick any two numbers. It can be one, two, it can be two and three. It doesn't matter. Between those two numbers are infinite amounts of numbers. Even between the number one and the number 1.0001, there are infinite numbers between just those two points. It's always true. So anyway, the real utility of understanding the truth of infinites is understanding that so you can get up and achieve whatever your goals are in life and realize that anything is technically possible. And the only limiting factor is you and the finite reality that you're in. Because even though conceptually, consciously, somewhat mathematically, you are an infinite being, you're still bound by physical constraints. You live with a finite amount of brain mass in a finite body on a finite planet with unfortunately finite oxygen in a finite life, and it will end one day. Understanding the infinite as a concept helps us to press beyond these boundaries and not really worry with them. The goal here of understanding all this is utility. 
We can't change that we all die, at least not so simply. But we can change what we do with ourselves before we die. Even if you're a spiritual wacko like me, and you believe that your energy will disperse and your will shall continue beyond based on the work that you've achieved ethically, and it's true that uh, all these things are going to happen, um, I'm still physically going to die and decompose. All that be damned, I am still a human being. That statement as a whole is an episode on magical and thalamic beliefs for another day. There's a lot of nuances to it, so don't take it wholesale. But the point that I'm communicating is I'm a human being in a human body, and it gets eaten up by worms when it's all over, just like everybody else's does. So why am I bringing all of this up on a podcast episode? Well, honestly, it kind of goes back to the importance of words. Oftentimes when I'm caught up in these kind of big brain philosophical and spiritual talks with these sorts of people, I feel like my time is being wasted. Now, that's not always true. Most of the time, they may be using these ideas as foundations of understandings to kind of see if I'm tracking on the same page before they ask me questions about what I think. But 100% of the time, they should just ask the question as whatever preface they're giving is entirely unnecessary. If you have a question and you want a specific answer from me, then me being aligned with your foundations actually shouldn't matter. If you wanted my specific perspective, that's exactly what you're going to get. And if our views happen to be aligned, then great. But if not, well, actually, that's also great because new perspectives are healthy. Now, I do understand Sometimes we're seeking new people and only want to ask if it's a source that aligns with us or it's one that we can trust. But in the context of someone I know personally asking me because it is me, then that makes whatever qualifying question they have a bit of a moot point. If you know me and you chose to ask me because it's me, then asking me to align or checking my alignment with you is a bit extra. No harm done. But it's an observation uh, that kind of goes with my primary point. The importance of your words matters. And to be circular about it, it's because words matter. <laughs> now that's a fallacy because of the first statement, not because of the second. You still following me? So your words may actually not matter to someone else, but words on their own still matter and are important. In the right vacuums, everyone's words matter but only if you use your words with purpose to the right people at the right time. And God damn, is that ever difficult sometimes? Hell, I may not be doing a great job at it now. I'm just checking along. So, you know, good luck. You don't have to be perfect. Just do your best. So, kind of coming back to the point here is when I'm caught in these discussions, we're looping around on these ideas that don't even fundamentally matter unless we are here to teach them to one another. Instead, it's more of a circle jerk of, hey man, I know that you know that the universe is everything and nothing. What say you? And I say, yeah, that's true, but what about how you feel? And then maybe they say, well, feelings only matter to me, or feelings are just an expression of what I know and experience, and I know everything and will experience everything. And I'll say, yes, I understand the universe is infinite, you just said that it's infinite in two different ways, but I'm asking about how you feel presently. And they continue on saying again that the universe is infinite, but now using different words and providing no utility to the conversation we are having. 
while I'm trying to introduce useful concepts, something that we can apply our understanding of the infinite to. But the interest in doing something useful with that knowledge falls on ears that wish to state big isms of philosophy without action instead. At least that's been my experience. It's always been entirely circular. And honestly, the only way to ensure that your time is unwasted is to exit the conversation. That said, if you can get someone that's kind of in this circular, uh, unproductive type of conversation to actually begin to apply utility to their so-called infinite knowledge, I would cite that now as a productive conversation with good purpose. Sometimes that happens for me, but not always. So just think about that. Next time you get high on acid or shrooms or do a bunch of coke, hit that fat dab. Look, I know you're high as a kite, but why not think about what you can accomplish with all those big infinite why questions that you now have those answers to? Your understanding of infinite possibilities on its own is not enough. Understand that what you have come to learn is true and do something with it. Go ride a bike, learn a skill. Read a book, literally anything, for the sake of demonstrating that there are truly infinite possibilities. Like my discrete mathematics professor taught me, it's great that you understand two plus two equals four. There's utility in that on its own, for sure. It's good knowledge. But now prove that two plus two equals four, and with that proof, you will find utility that can be applied across your life that's as infinite as your know-it-all brain really might be. Now, he didn't say exactly that, but I kind of derived my own meaning from what he actually taught me. He was just saying that, hey, proving things is important. But just to kind of illustrate that things really are infinite, but it's the proof, it's the utility, it's the how that we're applying the, the answers that we get to the why. So don't go out trying to prove everything. <laughs> the takeaway here is, is applying your knowledge. The smartest among us know how to use what we've learned. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge is useless. Go teach what you know, or at least go win some money playing trivia. Do something with it. All right, that's enough from me. As always, reach out to us via the comments below or at echoesbox.com. Hit us with episode ideas, guests, requests, or any other requests you may have, and be sure to keep an eye out for my music. I gotta stay plugging that, you know? Wish you all the best, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Nobody's around